All righty. Well, you are listening to Lavender Hill here on KZM Lincoln, KZM HD 89.3 on the FM or online at KZM.org. Perhaps you're using one of those handy dandy smarter than a calculator devices and listening on your favorite mobile listening app like TuneIn or Next Radio. Or you could be listening up to two weeks after original broadcast date, thanks to the KZUM archives, which can be found online at kzum.org slash archives. While you're browsing around, if you want to catch up on some of the talk segments from Lavender Hill, you can find those as well by going to programming and SoundCloud there on the website. All righty, well. That was Gay and Proud by the uh, Berkeley Women's Music Collective, and that's off the 1977 album Lesbian Concentrate. And, well, yeah, I'm proud. I hope you're proud. I'm very, actually, I'm very pleased and proud of the KZUM listeners out there. We hit our fall fundraising goal not quite down to the wire, but it was just before noon on Friday the 30th that we hit that goal. So thank you very much to everybody who helped out. We actually hit, exceeded that goal, and it's never too late to donate to KZUM. It's going to count towards our next fiscal year, which started yesterday. Alrighty, so pretty much enough on that for right now, right? Just, you know, click that donate button on the website, and we'll get you taken care of that way. Here was a name that I didn't think I would have to share anytime soon again. The at least thrice divorced defender of the sanctity of traditional marriage, Kim Davis. You know, the woman who refused to sign marriage licenses for same-sex couples is once again in the news, and she's lost a case again as a court denies her qualified immunity bid for denying gay couples marriage licenses. Uh, this is according to LGBTQNation.com from an article on Friday the 30th by Molly Sprayregan. A federal court of appeals has ruled yet again that former Rowan County, Kentucky clerk Kim Davis, who refused to provide marriage licenses to gay couples after marriage equality was legalized, does not have qualified immunity. You're probably wondering, what is qualified immunity? Qualified immunity protects government officials from personal liability for violating someone's rights unless they are in violation of clearly established constitutional rights, as the Supreme case of Harlow v. Fitzgerald decided back in 82. Davis already lost her plea for qualified immunity in the case several years ago. The most recent opinion stated that because the plaintiffs proved that Davis violated their clearly established right to marry, the ruling that says she is not entitled to qualified immunity stands. The court affirmed that, quote, the basic facts of this case have not changed and that, quote, we again affirm the district court in deciding that, quote, Davis is still not entitled to qualified immunity. So, yay. I don't know. Just give up, right? After this many years fighting this and you know you're in the wrong, or at least I would hope you know you're in the wrong now, just give up. And of course, this could all change depending on what the Supreme Court decides to do. Uh, you know, with the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade, some of the conservatives on the bench have been eyeing marriage equality as well. And I still don't understand how 
uh, Clarence Thomas can be eyeing marriage equality when what he's eyeing there would actually strip he and his wife of their marriage as well because it would also affect interracial marriage. But that's neither here nor there, at least not at the moment. So let's see what other trouble we can uh, dig up here, right? Well, this isn't exactly trouble. This is something kind of good, I think. Uh, and this is from an article on LGBTQNation.com uh, from today, Sunday, October 2nd, Greg Owen writing. The headline reads, New York judge rules in favor of polyamorous relationships. Yes, you heard that, right? Uh, New York City's eviction court, the venue of a landmark same-sex relationship decision long before Obergefell v. Hodges, is now the source of a legal opinion that comes down clearly on the side of polyamorous unions. The decision came in the case of West 49th Street LLC v. O'Neill, decided by New York Civil Court Judge Karen May uh, Beckdayan, uh, concluded that polyamorous relationships are entitled to the same sort of legal protection given to two-person relationships. Hmm. The case rev uh, revolves around three individuals, Scott Anderson, Marcius and uh, Marcius O'Neill, who lived together in a New York City apartment. Anderson held the lease but was married to another man, Robert Romano, who lived at another address. After Anderson died, the building's owner contended O'Neill had no right to renew the lease since he was just a roommate of Anderson's and not a non-traditional family member. The court concluded that there needed to be a hearing about whether Anderson, Romano, and O'Neill were in a polyamorous relationship. Hmm. Before gay marriage was legalized in any state, uh, Brashi v. Stahl Associates uh, & Company was decided in 1989 and made the New York State Court of Appeals the first American appellate court to recognize that a two-person same-sex relationship is entitled to legal protections. So, perhaps they're kind of making the same headway for polyamory. Yeah, that that's come, sometimes can be a little bit of a tongue twister to say uh you know i'm gonna let you read the entire article if you want it's over on lgbtqnation.com there is a lot more to it uh but uh you know whether the polyamorous relationship has the oh, what do you want to call it the primaries are in a heterosexual or a uh, same-sex relationship the uh, secondaries and tertiaries, if you will, involved in that family unit. It becomes a family unit at that point in time, in my opinion, at least. Um, it, it's an issue that needs to be addressed. And we're not talking the same thing like sister wives from Utah. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about truly loving, committed relationships that are between more than two individuals who are consenting adults emphasizing that part there as well uh, I remember a good number of years ago probably close to 30 years ago um, uh, some friends of mine in the Iowa City area were a, uh, a, a poly family there were two uh, legally married couples that were also with each other if that makes sense uh, and there was a child that came out of that family. And unfortunately, when one member of the family chose to leave, which was their right, of course, uh, there was a custody battle that ensued. 
And not only was the uh, sexuality of one or more of the other three parents drawn into question with the court, but so was their religion, which they were a form of paganism. And it went rather long, rather drawn out. And unfortunately, the, uh, the child was placed with the maternal, uh, you know, genetic birth mom. There we go. Uh, and uh, the other mother and both fathers have had very little contact with that child because of the court's orders. And the only reason, from my understanding this many years later, for that case to have even gone to the extreme that it did was because the birth mom was unhappy in the end, which so often happens when a relationship ends, whether it be uh, ends with a divorce or ends with just going their own separate ways. And there's a child involved. But anywho, that's not for me to really speak to right now on the legal basis of anything because I'm not a lawyer by any stretch of the imagination. But I believe this is a, a case that I'll probably be following a little bit. And speaking of uh, things that kind of go along with it, we're going to have a music break. Get on. And ooh, make sure I hit all the right buttons. Ooh, I thought I had already stopped the music, and I guess I hadn't. Ooh, glad I had it muted. Hey, live radio, right? All right, so we're going to hear from Gaia Consort off of their Vitus Dance. Yes, it has been released as Bone Poets Orchestra, but we're going to hear the original, uh, Perils of Polly. A little bit of a fun song here, and if it ends abruptly, it's because I forgot something. So, yeah, bear with me. Hope you enjoy the song. All righty, a little bit of fun there. Perils of Polly by Gaia Consort, also known as Bone Poets Orchestra. Bone Poets Orchestra, there we go, I can talk. And that was after, off of, wow, maybe I can't talk. After, uh, off of Vitus Dance, which was re-released under Bone Poets Orchestra. There we go. Hey, I got everything fixed there. There's your, your, uh, your laugh for the day, right? Something like that to give you a little something to chuckle over during the show. Uh, we got some, uh, some good news here for you as well. Another one from LGBTQNation.com. From Friday, September 30th, Greg Owen writing again. The headline reads, Gavin Newsom signs law making California a sanctuary for for trans kids and their families. Something that may be, unfortunately, very much needed thanks to uh, the not-so-great state of Texas and even Florida, man. Uh, on Thursday last week, California Governor Gavin Newsom, a Democrat, signed a bill protecting transgender youth and their families fleeing prosecution from states that criminalize gender-affirming care. Uh, uh, to, to quote Newsom here as he was signing the statement, in California, we believe in equality and acceptance. We believe that no one should be prosecuted or persecuted for getting the care they need, including gender-affirming care. Parents know what's best for their kids, and they should be able to make decisions around the health of their children without fear. We must take a stand for parental choice, end quote. I find some of his uh, word choices there to be quite uh, fitting and somewhat ironic considering they're very similar to some of the word choices made by those conservatives who don't think that youth should get any kind of gender affirming care generally because they don't understand that the gender affirming care that the underage may receive is psychological emotional and age appropriate medical care 
They are not getting gender reassignment surgeries. They're not getting uh, uh, mastectomies. They're not getting orchiectomies. They're not getting their uh, uh, Adam's apple shaved down or anything like that. No, they're getting psychological, emotional, and age-appropriate medical care. Ugh. All righty. So let's see here. What else do we got going on with this article? Um, for example, some stuff that's going on. Laws attempting to ban medical care for transgender minors demonize the transgender community and are an act of hate, Newsom went on to say during his press briefing. So his SB 107 that he signed in, which was authored by out-state Senator Scott Weiner, uh, prohibits courts and attorneys in California from enforcing subpoenas requested by other states pursuing criminal prosecution of families seeking gender-affirming care for minors in California. The new law also bans health care providers from releasing medical information to out-of-state authorities. Arrest warrants for violating out-of-state laws related to gender-affirming care are to be given, quote, the lowest law enforcement priority, end quote. Over 20 U.S. states have considered laws banning gender-affirming care for minors while subjecting parents and health care professionals to criminal prosecution for seeking it. Several bans did pass but have been tied up in federal courts. In August, a federal appeals court in Arkansas blocked that state's prohibition. Let you read the uh, article for yourself over there on lgbtqnation.com. And as always, I do encourage you to follow any of the embedded links for more information because you can, you know, freshen up on some of what they're talking about there. And, well, I was going to try to hop around and go uh, somewhere else, but I want to take a minor little detour here. Um... Uh, and see what other things are going here. All righty. Well, one of my favorite late night talk show hosts. I don't get to watch him all that often because I don't have regular television and I forget that, you know, I can look him up and watch him on YouTube or something later. Trevor Noah uh, has an art. There's an article about him by Daniel Villarreal on LGBTQNation.com. Uh, and of course, if you're familiar with Trevor Noah, then you are familiar with The Daily Show. Uh, somewhat irreverent, uh, comedic, but factual, for the most part. Uh, news commentary, that's what he is. He's not a, a reporter or anything like that. He's a commentator. Uh, he is the host of Comedy Central's satirical news program, The Daily Show. And the only sat uh, satirizing going on there is the stuff that I can't get away with when I talk about people like Kim Davis. So we let him do that. Um but uh, he has uh, very clearly made a stand for LGBTQ people on the show. Uh, while it's unclear when exactly he will exit the show, because apparently he is leaving and who will take his place, LGBTQ fans will remember the many times that Noah stood up against bigotry and showed allyship. Uh, back in 2016, when he mocked North Carolina's transphobic bathroom bill. I'll let you... Uh, look at that one yourself uh, when he trolled Trump's religious liberty task force with RoboChrist like I said irreverent but entertaining and good commentary in my opinion uh, when he celebrated LGBTQ progress worldwide during Pride Month that's not satire there that is true uh, when he paid a mock tribute to a longtime Christian queer phobe <clears throat> 
the uh, that queer foe being Pat Robertson, uh, the televangelist who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not going to go there. Uh, when he spoke with a retired NBA star about his transgender daughter, talking about uh, Dwayne Wade, uh, giving him a platform to talk on the show about how parents can be advocates for their trans kids. Uh, and when he mocked Senator Kirsten Cinema's obstructionism somewhat recently. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just leave that one the way that it is. I wanted to fill some time there. It wasn't as much time filling as I thought it was going to be. So we're going to go ahead and go to our bottom of the hour break just a smidgen early here. And uh, we'll just see what happens after that. But I've got a song for you uh, from uh, Jen Ayers. Haven't played her on the show. Uh, and may be actually interviewing her sometime in the very near future, provided everything goes the way as planned. So let's go ahead and get our bottom of the hour taken care of here. Did I actually get it set up? You know, I didn't. So we're going to play music first, then we'll set up the bottom of the hour. Wow, it's been a morning. Coffee. I need. All righty. That was Misty O'Dell there after the break with uh, something better. And we had right before the break, Jen airs with her The Real Thing. All righty. Well, we're going to go over to Southeast Asia and the Middle East for a little bit here and uh, give you some updates and highlights on some of what's going on there when it comes to LGBTQIA, etc. Uh, rights and liberties. Uh, and the first one is from the UN uh, as they address Iran. The headline reads, UN experts demand stay of execution for two women LGBTQ rights activists. This is an article from the 28th of September 2022. Uh, and I, let's see if I can actually get pronunciations right here. Uh, Iran uh, must immediately stay the executions of two women sentenced to death for supporting the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and gender diverse people, a large group of UN-appointed independent human rights experts said last Wednesday. Uh, to quote from uh, their joint statement, we strongly condemn the sentencing of uh, Ms. Sadihi uh, Hamadani and uh, Ms. Uh, Chobdar to death and call on authorities to stay their executions and annul their sentences as soon as possible. And of course, there is a link within the article for the full statement, and I will have the article linked to you there on our Facebook page. Uh, Iran's legal system explicitly prohibits homosexuality, which under the country's penal code is punishable by death. The women were convicted on charges of corruption on earth and trafficking. While the judicial decision and sentencing orders are not public, the experts were informed that the charges concern speech and actions in support of the human rights of LGBT persons who face discrimination in Iran based on their sexual orientation and gender identity. Reports revealed that the trafficking charges were related to the women's efforts to assist persons at risk to leave Iranian territory. Iranian judicial authorities prosecuted human rights defender Zahara uh, Sadgi Hamadani and Ilam Chobar in August 2022 and notified them on 1st of September that they had been convicted and sentenced to death by the Islamic Revolution Court of 
Jeremia. Uh, the statement continued. This is definitely a harrowing thing to think about. And it is not alarmist to be sharing this because this is unfortunately a fact of life in certain countries in Southeast Asia, in the Middle East, in Africa, and perhaps elsewhere around the world. Keeping over in that region, we're going to go to Pakistan for a moment. And this is from voanews.com, their South and Central Asia section of their news. Another article from the 28th of September, this one by Sarah Zaman. Uh, the headline reads, Pakistan's progressive transgender law faces opposition four years later. Uh, Pakistan is considering amending a landmark transgender rights bill passed in 2018 that some legislators and clerics argue contradicts Islamic teachings on gender identity. So, like most of the Islamic-controlled countries, religion plays just as heavily into their laws as they apparently do here in the United States. Rights activists, however, going back to the article, say the law is being misunderstood and the misinformed debate against it is further endangering the transgender community. Hailed as among the more progressive laws on transgender rights globally by the International Commission of Jurists, the Transgender Persons Protection of Rights Act gave transgender people in Pakistan the right to choose their gender identity as they perceive it themselves and to change it on previously issued government documents. I'm pretty sure that Corwin and I covered this when it first hit the news. Opponents of the law claim the provision to choose or change one's gender is un-Islamic and could open the door to same-sex marriage, currently prohibited in Pakistan. In the last two weeks, at least four trans women have been killed. Some trans rights activists blame lumping transgender together with homosexuality for the renewed targeting of their community. Homosexuality is a punishable offense in Pakistan, just like it is in Iran. Um, so, yeah, you are more than welcome to read up on that. The article from uh, VOA News is quite lengthy, has some great information in it, as well as uh, where to go to get more information along the way, and something that, uh, well, we've been following it, so we're going to continue to follow it, I'm sure. Alrighty, and uh, let's see here. This is my last one from uh, that region. Qatari ambassador faces LGBT rights appeal before the World Cup. Qatari ambassador to Germany has been urged to abolish his country's penalties for homosexuality at a human rights congress hosted by the German Soccer Federation two months before the Middle East country hosts the World Cup. This is an article from back on September 20th, 2022 on ABC News. Uh, Qatar's ambassador to Germany was urged uh, that Monday to abolish his country's penalties for homosexuality at a human rights congress hosted by the German Soccer Federation, as I said. Fan representative uh, Dario Menden uh, switched to English to directly address the Qatari ambassador Abdullah bin Mohammed bin Saud Al Thani at the congress in Frankfurt, Germany. Um, so I'm going to read part of his statement for you here. Uh, Minden said, I'm a man and I love men. I do. Please don't be shocked. I have sex with other men. This is normal. So please get used to it or stay out of football because the most important rule in football is football is for everyone. 
It doesn't matter if you're lesbian, if you're gay. It's for everyone, for the boys, for the girls, and for everyone in between. Menden continued with his statement to say, abolish all of the penalties regarding sexual and gender identity. The rule that football is for everyone is so important. We cannot allow you to break it, no matter how rich you are. You are more than welcome to join the international football community and also, of course, to host a big tournament. But in sports, it is how it is. You have to accept the rules. Hmm. Very good statement there. Uh, Althani was to be given a chance to respond later, though his comments were to remain off the record, unfortunately. So we don't necessarily have that for you here, but uh, it's interesting to see that, you know, sports once again kind of playing a major role in how things happen. Uh, well, if you're from Nebraska, then you're quite familiar with sports being a religion. So... Uh, you can see how that might have some influence elsewhere around the world as well. All righty. Well, in all seriousness, let's go ahead and get over to some music as we get ready to uh, wrap things up here. I've got some U.S. news for you when we come back. Uh, and here's another tongue-in-cheek song for you from Lavender Country off of Blackberry Rose. So I should be safe to play in its entirety. <gasps> I hope I remembered. Uh, if not, it'll end abruptly. Uh, Lament of a Wyoming Housewife. All righty. Well, thank you for uh, calling in there just a moment ago. I didn't catch your name, but thank you for calling in and uh, you know saying that you like the show and you appreciate it, and I appreciate hearing that. Uh, there's other ways that you can let me know what you think of the show. You can find it on Facebook. Just look for Lavender Hill 89.3 or you can email me at LavenderHill89.3 at gmail.com and uh, we could take it from there. All righty. Well, I said I had some U.S. news to wrap things up with for you here. And it's not so great here with what I'm going to start with because this isn't the first time this particular church has been vandalized by anti-LGBTQ individuals. This time their rainbow flag was torn down and smeared with feces. Yes, you heard that. Uh, when the caretaker of St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Yardley, Pennsylvania, arrived to the church's grounds this past Tuesday, they found that someone had torn the church's rainbow pride flag off of its sign and smeared it with feces. article doesn't say if it was human or otherwise. Uh, the church contacted the police, rightfully so. Though the flag has since been replaced, the vandalism is part of a pattern of anti-LGBTQ vandalism at this particular house of worship which police are now investigating that trend. It is with a heavy heart that we announced that yesterday our St. Andrew's pride flag was destroyed, according to the Instagram for the church. Uh, the post noted that the flag was only mounted upon the church's sign after the repeated theft and vandalism of the church's pride lawn signs proclaiming all are welcome. We've seen similar lawn signs here in Lincoln, most of which have remained, which is good to know. Um, let's see here. The uh, Instagram post goes on to say, I wish I could say that this particular act of vandalism is an isolated incident, but it's not. This is happening at a time when our community is increasingly aware of our pride signs and people are telling us of their appreciation for our public proclamation of God's love. I'll, I'll let you read the whole thing, follow along with some of the Instagram posts there as well. Like I said, I'm going to be posting that over to the Lavender Hill page for KZUM. So, whoop, whoop. 
Let's see here. What do I got next? What do I got next? Oh, yes. Let's go to Oklahoma here for a moment. Uh, checking the time here. Checking the time. I've got Deb uh, pulling into the parking lot, so it's almost time. OU Health ceases some gender care after funds threaten. This is an article from Friday. Uh, Friday? No, not Friday. Wednesday, September 28th, pardon me, uh, Sean Murphy writing for the Associated Press. Oklahoma City, the University of Oklahoma Medical Center confirmed Wednesday it is planning to stop offering some gender-affirming medical treatment after state lawmakers threatened to withhold millions of dollars in federal funding earmarked for the university hospital's authority. The Republican-controlled legislature, which returned for a special session on Wednesday to appropriate $1.87 million in Federal American Rescue Plan Act funds, uh, or is that billion, pardon me, has already targeted transgender youth people with new laws that restrict their ability to play sports or use school bathrooms consistent with their gender identity. Transgender medical treatment for children and teens is increasingly under attack in many Republican-led states, labeled as child abuse and subject to criminalizing bans. But it has been available in the United States for more than a decade and is endorsed by major medical associations. The OU Health Senior Leadership Team is proactively planning the ceasing of certain gender medicine services across our facilities, they say in a statement, and that plan is already under development. A spokeswoman for OU Health declined to say which specific services they would no longer offer, according to this AP article. So, yeah, that's something we're going to be following here for you, I believe. Okay, let's see here. But... We're going to leave on kind of a good note here before we go into our closing song. Uh, this is from LGBTQNation.com. Molly Spray Reagan writing on Thursday, September 29th. Democrats introduced bill to create an LGBTQ history museum in Washington, D.C. Out Congressman Mark Pokin, a Democrat of Wisconsin, has introduced two bills to establish an LGBTQ history museum in Washington, D.C. The announcement comes as LGBTQ History Month launches. As our community faces unprecedented attacks and attempts to erase our history, uh, Representative Pokin says, we must preserve and protect our stories for future generations. It is vital to remember our collective past, particularly when certain states seek to constrain and repeal existing rights by passing bans that harm LGBTQ plus youth and our community at large. Let's tell these stories and honor the many contributions the LGBTQ plus community has made to this nation with a museum in Washington, D.C. I look forward to the passage of this legislation and to visiting this museum in the near future. That's quoting from a statement made by Representative Pokin. Uh, the first bill establishes an eight-person commission that would have 18 months to develop a fundraising plan, assess the feasibility of creating the museum, and determine if the museum should be part of the Smithsonian Institution, the largest museum complex in the world, and several other things that go along with that. Uh, Pokin is co-chair of the Congressional LGBTQ Plus Equality Caucus and said that all nine out LGBTQ members of Congress, plus 50 other members, are sponsoring these bills. 
Alrighty, well, it is time to officially get ready to hand things over to Deb Anderson with the Women's Show. She's going to be doing an interview with Shamika Copeland and also joined by Ed Rumba later in the show. So keep on listening for that. We're going to go out with uh, some Sarah Peacock for you here. Uh, take a little time. I'd like you to take a little time and enjoy KZUM. <laughs> 